and welcome to the Pricing Queen podcast. I'm your host, Sally Farrant. I'm here to help you with all things pricing and business numbers, and I help small businesses like yours to grow your business and put your prices up and have the business of your dreams. If you want to follow me on social media, the best place to find me is on Instagram at The Pricing Queen. And now, on with the show. On today's show, I've got Vic Johnson, and Vic is really interesting because she works in an HR capacity looking at whether you should employ freelancers and contractors and how you go about deciding that. So I hope you enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the show. Today on the show, I've got Vic Johnson. Vic, introduce yourself. Okay, so um, as you've said, I'm Vic Johnson. I run a consultancy called Green Jay. Um, my clients are predominantly uh, STEM startups, so lots of science, technology, engineering startups um, in the southwest, predominantly around the kind of Bristol, um, Bristol ecosystem. And I do uh, people and culture consulting, so helping people to get their people and their culture as they want it to be, and also doing uh, one-to-one leadership coaching and coaching predominantly with um, founders of businesses. Yeah, and the reason I got Vic on today is because I want to talk a lot about outsourcing and whether you should take on employees and whether you should take on freelancers if you're trying to outsource and why you should not be terrified of outsourcing and employing people but also things you should think about because Vic and I were talking about this before and actually I think that people are terrified of taking on employees and people but your experience is that actually that's not the case at all yes yeah so when I'm speaking to people people are generally really eager they're like yes we're going to take on employees we're going to grow the business um but for me there's a bit that's missing so there's the kind of the operational need so yes we're going to grow the business we're going to have this amazing business but before that there's this strategic decision which is can we afford that what can we afford and what do we actually need so for me it's like take a breath Yes, and and that that kind of full time employees may not be the answer to your resource problems either. So, what should people think about when they're first starting to think about? So, lots of my audience will be solopreneurs and kind yeah. of people who are doing it on their own. They're like, oh, I kind of know I need to outsource because I'm kind of doing it all myself. But what if I get it wrong? And how do I pick somebody? And how do I do all of that? And presumably, you start as a with freelancers rather than employees. I suppose it depends. So that's the, for me, it depends a lot on what you can afford and what you need them to do. So if you have, well, I suppose I was going to say, if you have um, endless financial resources, then you go down the employee route. However, that's not necessarily the case. So I suppose the first question is, what do you need them to do and how do you need them to do it? And this is a question that a lot of my, the people that I work with sometimes struggle with because they think in their heads, we need um, either we need an employee because we're growing the business and that's one decision, or we need a contractor because we've got this package of work. But actually, when they're talking about a contractor, they're talking about an employee in disguise because they what they want is somebody who they've got more flexibility with, who's got you know, specialist skills, which is often why you'll go out to a contractor. But they want that person to manage staff 
or kind of, you know, in their heads, they're seeing that person, if we get them in, they'll be able to manage these interns and all these people that we're going to start employing. We want them to come to all the company meetings and we want them to share in all that knowledge. Um, maybe they're not even in the UK. You know, so we're going to, they're going to be a contractor because they're outside of the UK. We're a UK business. We don't know how to figure all that out. So we'll just put them on a contract and then we'd have to think about it. And actually, that doesn't necessarily work because if you want to have somebody in the business who you can control to a certain extent and you can decide what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, when they're going to do it, or you want them to manage people and you want them to be every company meeting, you want them to share that financial information within the business, then actually that's an employee, not a contractor. So it's about kind of, first of all, can you afford it? And what can you afford? And what do you actually need them to do? And I think that's true of, of even in the tiniest of businesses, I think about employing my BA. You know, I know that she's got other clients. I do, I cannot demand. So she says, I will do a certain number of hours for you a month, but I can't say I want you to be there every Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock for a meeting with me. We can arrange that that's maybe what we do, but I can't say you need to come to my office i don't have an office but you know if you've got an office i could can't say you've got to come to the office you could you know there's all of those things that you just can't control which is a good thing in some ways because it does have more flexibility and it means that my va can choose when she does her work she can do it at nine o'clock at night and i don't care and all of that sort of thing whereas if you're an employee you've generally got more fixed hours and that sort of thing i mean pandemic notwithstanding but it's kind of thinking about yeah like you say the needs of your business and kind of and how long you're going to need some of this stuff yeah absolutely yeah and but again a lot of it comes down to the contract doesn't it because you could have an employee comes into the business and you could we'll go on to it in a minute in terms of how kind of all the different things you have to consider but you could have an employee in the business who joins the business and you think right I don't know how long we're going to be able to kind of financially sustain this role that employee could have within their contract a one-week notice period you could have a contractor over here where that contractor has negotiated that if you don't need them anymore and you've got a fixed package of work that they've got a longer period in which you have to give them notice so it all comes back to the detail so what arrangements do you have in place with those people and how do you um, kind of separate that relationship when you need to separate it and what financial one way have you got in place, be it an employee or a contractor? Yeah, because I think it's, a, it's false to think that one is kind of easier than the other in some ways. You, know, you can yeah. lose a lot of knowledge from a contractor who can walk out the door at a week's notice if you're not yeah. careful as well absolutely so that's why for me it just it's often driven employee contractor whatever it is when you say you want help it's often driven by operational needs it's somebody saying oh we've got too much work i don't know what to do we've got to get more people involved but it's like okay so what do you actually need that person to do what arrangement and what relationship do you want to have with that person and what type of contract best meets that need Um, yeah because i think you know when we're you often think, oh, well, I can get rid of a freelancer very easily. And I think you can, but they can also leave you quite easily as well. Yeah. So there's kind of some of that there and they are much less tied to you. They yes. are not, you know, they're, you are almost never their only client. Mm-hmm. You know, you're very tied to them. And I always say that you shouldn't have, you know, as a freelancer, you shouldn't have one client taking up more than about 25%, 20, 25% of your business. Cause if you lost them, but, you know, you can 
lose people very quickly. Their circumstances change. They decide they don't want to work with you anymore. And actually, though, you can stick people to a month's notice. Actually, if you've got somebody who doesn't want to work with you anymore, you might not want to. No. Um, but equally, you can get out of it. If it's not working, you can get out of it probably more easily than employment contract. And you do have to consider all the employment law and you must get yourself an employment specialist to make sure that you are doing all the things that you need to when yeah. you've got employees. Absolutely. So I think another another thing that I kind of come up against when I'm speaking to people who've never employed anyone before is that they think, okay, right, we're going to employ somebody. So we're going from a standing start. We've just got, it's just me or it's me and my kind of fellow founders and we're going to employ this person. Um, and all we have to do really is make sure that we can cover their salary. So what they take home, their take home pay, as long as we can cover that, then we've good. We've got it budgeted for. But the problem with employees is that they've got all this other stuff as well. So, you know, you've got to register them on HMRC so that you kind of can connect them to the payroll. You've got to think about, you know, um, employers NI. You've got to think about con- uh, pension contributions through auto-enrollment. You've got to think about holiday pay. So you've got to pay these people at least 28 days a year, so 5.6 weeks, regardless, you know, and they're not going to be working in the business in those days. You've got to pay them that amount. You've got to pay them uh, notice, pay, notice pay. So this is another area where I always think kind of people sometimes, um, they don't consider it enough almost. So if you've got a notice period within a contract, that's, you've got to factor that into your kind of financial runway when it comes to a, having an employee. Because if all of a sudden you need to downsize the business, you've got to have that money, that notice period tucked away and budgeted for so that you can exit that relationship, which you don't necessarily have to do with a contractor. So that's, you know, depending on the, the contract you have with them, it's not something you have to factor in. So there's all this other stuff on top of being an employee. So usually, it's a very rough calculation, but usually if you've got um, the salary that you're going to be paying that person and then you add on, say, 30%, that's going to take your employers and I, it's going to take your pension contributions, um, it's going to pick up all the bits that you need to contribute. So if whatever you've got a budget for, make sure you add that 30% and then you've kind of roughly got an idea of how much you're going to have to pay to have that person in the business. And usually I reckon that's about how much a contractor costs you more than an employee as well. Yes. In terms of daily rate, if they're running on daily rates and things like that, but you would expect to pay more for a contractor, but it's much more flexible and you might only you're only paying for the hours they do you probably yeah. don't you don't have to pay them holiday pensions they take care of all of that but you do have to be careful that you're not it they're not a sort of pseudo employee as well yeah. i mean there's something called ir35 which we will not go into in great detail <laughs> oh Go on. You can talk a bit about it. I don't don't want to go because I don't want to scare people. But no, no, and absolutely. But what I would say is, when it comes to IR thirty five, the way that I view it is common sense. Right? You know, if you are employing somebody as an employer, employee, or a contractor, deep down. So just to go. So just to go back, IR thirty five is about trying. Is is the ruling about stopping you having an employee? having a contractor when it should be an employee and therefore you're not playing particularly the employer's national insurance on that employee yeah and so yeah so anybody who is worried about ir35 i generally recommend you go on to gov.uk and there's a tool it's called the cess tool check employment status tool 
you basically, it's like a wizard. You run through it and you get then uh, a decision at the end based on what you've plugged into it as to whether or not that tool thinks that that person is um, an employee or a contractor. And it's really useful then because you can then look at, okay, well, it thinks it's a con- this person's a contractor. Oh, sorry, an employee, and we think they're a contractor. Where's the disparity? Where's the kind of the difference? Um, and what do we need to do to change that if we want it to be a contractor? So, yes, IR35 can be a very scary and so can employment um, legislation. Really, really scary um, stuff, but it's all about common sense. And so if you if you treat something with common sense and you've got an awareness of what tools are available to you and how you can go out and get the information you need, then they can be a little bit less scary. Yeah, I think it's and also it's at the moment it doesn't affect companies under 10 million turnover. Yeah, 250 at the moment in terms of employees, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's it's for bigger companies at the moment. I'm sure eventually, I mean, eventually they're trying to. They're trying to push it down so that more people have to pay. But it's basically considered that you're avoiding and paying employers national insurance. So, and again, get good advice about this sort of stuff as well. You know, if you're employing people, make sure that you've understood what that means. And and it, I think a lot of it, you know, if you're employing freelancers, you're working with lots of clients, then it's almost certainly fine. And you're a tiny business, it's almost certainly fine. But it's always just worth checking that you're not getting yourself into something that you... Yeah. don't understand and therefore can fall foul of through ignorance because unfortunately ignorance is not a defence in all of yeah. these things but I mean anything with HMRC it probably it was I know it would be, so nice, it? It would be, well, so be a time where you could just go well I didn't know I had to do yeah. that and they're like well I don't think that kind of counts as a reason <laughs> so in terms of if you're trying to decide between taking on a a, a freelancer or a or an employee it's kind of I guess the main thing is around things like managing people, yeah. control, um, whether you can get them to come to the office when you want them to and all of those sorts of things that you should consider a bit more. Yeah, definitely. So um, when uh, employment tribunals are looking at cases of whether or not somebody falls under the uh, description of an employee there's generally four categories that they look at so one of those is control which we've talked about so do you uh, in terms of this person if you think about it it's a spectrum if, the, if with this person how much do you want to be able to control what they do if you want to be able to control where they work how they work what they do then they're likely to be an employee if you don't need to control all of those, all of those things then they're likely to be a contractor um, mutuality of obligation so it's that do you do that does that person have the right to say no i don't want to do that or i can't do that or i don't work on a friday so i can't do that or you know whatever all of those things um if they have the right to say no then they're likely to be a contractor rather than an employee because if your employees start turning around and saying no i don't want to do that (laughs) um then that's a different thing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we got to talk about, you know, some different mechanisms that you have. You know, you're looking at capability and things like that. Um, Integration is another one. So we talked about it before a little bit. So um, if you want, if it's going to be useful for that person to come along to um, all company meetings or be at the uh, senior management team meetings, get be privy to all your financial information within the business, then they're likely to be an employee. 
rather than a contractor and you know again if they're managing people if they've got a big team that they're they're managing not you know you can have project managers who can be contractors because they're managing the project once you're getting down to the detail of you know signing off holidays or um, managing kind of somebody who is um, away on sickness and things like that you're really looking at an employee because the rules are that you can't you shouldn't have a contractor in a role that is an employment role Mm-hmm. generally managing people falls into that um, and then the final one is economic reality so if a person makes a mistake in their work who is liable to correct that mistake if it's an employee it's the business you know if it's a contractor it's usually the contractor you know either by kind of you know financial recompense or time or whatever you know but where that sits will generally dictate whether or not that's an employee or a contractor. And if you think about it in those four four ways and you take a step back, you say, okay, well, this role, we need them to manage people. We want to be able to control what they do. We want to be able to, they can't say really no because we need to get this work done and we'll correct their mistakes. They're an employee. If you don't need any of those things, then you can think about a contractor. And as, as we've kind of talked about already, that opens up that little bit more flexibility and contractors you'll often go to as well or freelancers for um uh, skills gaps so if you've got a particular niche skill you need to plug um a gap within your organization then it might be that you bring in a contractor because the time it would take you to upskill your people you've got to factor that in as well you know the time and the money it would take if a project needs to be delivered next week you've not got time to do that so you go out to a contractor you plug that skills gap it's done And then you kind of decide what to do with the relationship from there. But again, it's that thing where take a step up and look at it a little bit more strategically and say, okay, what is this situation that we're needing to kind of address? What's going to be the best fit? And I think that's true even in your tiny business. It's like, well, do I need a VA or do I need a tech person or do I you know, get somebody to produce your podcast who's not a general thing? Or maybe you get somebody who can help do your email funnels for you and that sort of thing. So that's when you get a freelancer. It's like, well, actually, I need somebody to do a very specific thing. It's that thing yeah. of skills, you know, and when you are employing freelancers, do buy skill sets. Don't buy general if you want an employee, you want somebody, you know, if you're going to employ a virtual assistant, say, right, I want a virtual assistant two days a week and I'm going to employ them. That's great. And I will do that. And they're available to me every morning, um, kind of all the time. And they're on an employed basis. That's great. But actually, if you want some specific skills, it's often really much better to have several people that you work with yeah. who are doing very specific things for you. It's when you can package it, isn't it? You know, if you can package up a piece of work, then it's much easier to package that to a freelancer or somebody who's self-employed. You don't really package up work so much for an employee because what you want from an employee is for that stretch time. You know, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for, okay, well, we've got all these bits of work and we're going to be able to fill a day with that, you know, all consistently be able to fill a day. But with the freelancer, you're looking for what skills do we need them to do? How can I package that up? How will it work? And then, you know, and then you'll often find that that person, a freelancer, will be a better option in that case. So that's been brilliant. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Um, so, yeah, if you want to find me on uh, LinkedIn, so I am Victoria Johnson and my organisation is Green Jay and I am work with uh, small to medium businesses so usually startups or scale-ups talking about people and culture um, 
leadership coaching and group coaching um, for managers. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming on. Fabulous. Thank you very much. This was a really interesting chat with Vic. And I think it's really important in your really small business to think about outsourcing as early as you can possibly afford to. Even if it's only a few hours a week of a virtual assistant or something like that, it gets you in the habit of outsourcing work and delegating work and understanding how to find those people, take recommendations, but be really specific about what you need help with. You know, it's all very well saying, well, I'd like a virtual assistant, but do you want inbox management? Do you want social media management? What do you actually want from your from your outsourcing? But I really recommend that you definitely look at all of the things that you could outsource in your business and keep a list of things that you'd like to outsource. Um, for me, I always knew that if I didn't outsource my podcast editing and that sort of thing I would never ever get it done Um, so I do all the recording and then I send it to someone to do all the editing and for me that that totally makes sense because I would never I just would never do it so think about the things that you'd like to be doing and then start to budget for those things Um, so I hope you've enjoyed it and I will catch you next week take care I hope you enjoyed this week's show If you did, please do like, subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts and do share this episode on social media. The best place to find me is on Instagram at The Pricing Queen. And I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you next week. Take care.